The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at CARM.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Everybody, welcome to the show. It's me, Matt Slick. You're listening to Matt Slick Live. If you want to give me a call, the phones are all working, everything's worked out. 877-207-2276. But you know what? I was thinking, since it worked out really nice yesterday, nicely, I should say, if you have questions, uh, you want me to address them on the air, what you can do is uh, just email me at info at karm.org, even right now. We're taking callers as well, and I can go over some of the the uh, the emails as well, and we can go through that. And guess what? My daughter, my wife and I's daughter, one of our daughters, went to, uh, just got back last night from uh, Portugal, uh, Scotland, uh, Norway, and Iceland. Okay, I had to remember all those. And she showed us pictures from Iceland. Oh my goodness, they're incredible. Some of the stuff uh, that she that pictures are like, are you kidding me? Looks like it's done by an AI. But it was she says standing right there and seeing all this stuff. Imagine a black sand beach with a blue ocean, white snow, just past the the break of the water. And to the left are cliffs full of pillars of dark rock that are like stacks of bricks, vertical, just up the side. Oh, just amazing. Beautiful stuff. So, you know, praise God. We prayed that God would get her back home safely, and uh, she had a good time. So that's no big deal. But, hey, look, if you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276 on Fridays, do hate mail. You know, I was just complaining that... um, we're getting low on hate mail. Now, it used to be that I would get hate mail on a regular basis. And uh, maybe we got to tell the the uh, email responders, if we get a hate mail, you got to put it in these folders over here. Because I like reading them over the air. I enjoy them. In fact, I enjoyed reading some of the... Um, uh, <laughs> some of the emails yesterday when people calling and me adding you know doing stuff and i got a kick out of it so anyway if you want to email me you can info at karm.org you can ask me a question and we can get to it and uh if you want you give me a call 877-207-2276 and i want to hear from you give me a call if you want that'd be fine uh let's see i've got that one right there get the hate mail let's see what's that Oh, that's a different one over there. So, uh, mm-hmm. there we go. Hate mail. Making it easier for me to get to this stuff. All right, all right, all right. So, um, I'm being inundated with stuff. So, I got an email from someone uh, who wants me to do a big thing on tag and refute something or answer something. And I got another email I just discovered from uh, the guy debated the Muslim guy. He won't let things go. Uh, he's got to have the last word. He's got to have the upper hand. I scanned through this email. It's going to be a lot of stuff for me to, to kind of respond to him and turn him into articles. And uh, he actually talked about, he actually said, you didn't expect to have someone like me that you would debate. You weren't prepared. Uh, it's someone who's knowledgeable like me. Like, who, you know, whoa. 
this guy, that's what Islam does. It does that to you. It just makes you prideful. So, um, that's what I've seen with Muslims. But uh, that's that. So I've got that to do. Also, I'm editing a book. And also, <laughs> oh, man, I'm working on uh, a school of hermeneutics, uh, how to interpret scripture. And uh, I'm way behind on answering emails and voicemails. I am buried, uh, so it's just going to take a long time to get to stuff. Plus, the holidays are here. So that's what it is. Look, we've got nobody waiting right now. We've got nobody calling. So what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to check in the inbox. Nobody's emailing me. If you want to email me a question, you've got a question about anything, all you to do is dial, or, or just, excuse me, email info at carm.org, C-A-R-M dot O-R-G. And uh, I'm going to get some hate mail because we do hate mail on Fridays. For those of you who might be new, I'm a Christian apologist. I defend the Christian faith. <clears throat> excuse me, the Christian faith. And been doing it for... Uh, almost 18 years now. Uh, on, a, on January 2nd, it'll be 18 years. I've been doing radio five days a week. And uh, two years before that, one day a week. So 20 years of radio. And uh, I was in a chat room uh, talking with someone in, in VR. And, you know, you have avatars. If you don't see what you really look like. And I was talking and someone said, you know, you have a radio voice. And I said, that's what people tell me, uh, that I have a voice for radio. But they also say I have a face for radio. And they chuckled. I was really surprised. They, they thought that was funny. So, uh, Randall Dobbins wants hate mail. Oh, man, look at this. We saw a tad of Clubhouse last night for the first time. It was a mess. <laughs> Did you see me in there, Joanne? Did you see when I was tackling the atheists? And <laughs> I was tackling the atheists. And I was calling them on the carpet on their mistakes and everything. And they, they had to have an excuse to get rid of me. So, uh, this one, I thought this one woman was named Godless Girl. I, that's, that's, you know, I just thought it was her. She goes, don't insult me. It's not that you pay attention to my name. I said, well, whatever your name is. Oh, don't think, what, that's disrespectful. And I'm like, okay, what's your name? And I don't remember all the names. I told her I'm walking back and forth in the office with my headset, you know, talking. And, um, uh, and so I said, yeah, well, whatever your name is. And she goes, that's it, you're gone. <laughs> It was it cracked me up because uh, I was answering them. I mean, I'm telling you, I was giving them, giving them logic, giving them answers. That's not our worldview. You don't understand the position. You don't think this. If you guys want, I'll teach it to you, but you don't understand what that is. And if I use logic and do your position, here's the problem with what you're saying. And uh, so I get this. One of the arguments was, how do you know, oh, man, how do you know that you're not a, a the Christians are just brains in a vat? You know, they were your brain in a vat someplace. So I said, okay. I said, I wrote an article on that, you know, and, and uh, so they were checking it out, mocking it. <laughs> but what's what they do, you know? They don't tackle it. They just mock. It's so stupid. Well, show me where it's stupid. Well, they don't, but it is mock. And so I said, look, look, if it's the case, if it's the case that a Christian is simply a, a brain in a vat and you're talking to him, then doesn't that mean that you don't really exist? Isn't that what your position would be, atheist, that you really don't exist? If the Christian's just a brain in a vat, then he's just imagining you. You don't exist. So can you show me why you exist? <laughs> they, they did not like that. <laughs> That's so stupid. I go, yeah, it is. That position is stupid. I just exposed it. So please convince me why, you know, from your position, if that argument, why you're real. Because if you argue that you are real, then aren't you arguing against the, the position you're, you've raised? And if you say you, you're not real, I would say it's pretty much true. You guys don't have a lot going on. You can't insult us like that. <laughs> so, but they, 
oh man, they can insult me. But if I say you guys don't have you don't have it together, all your paws are not a litter box. Oh, all of a sudden I'm evil. Oh man, the hypocrisy of these guys is incredible. But you know what? It takes someone who's got a few screw loose, screws loose like I do. Okay, because I obviously uh, have something wrong with me, which is why I like doing what I'm doing. I don't know what it is, but I I do. Whew, okay. All right. Let's get to Scott from Utah. Scott, welcome. You are on the air. Hi, Matt. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, mm-hmm. I just wanted, wanted to uh, ask you a question about Isaiah 53. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's talking about how someone described what Jesus looked like. I mean, not specifically, but in, in generality. Mm-hmm. And then you you see all the pictures that are in, you know, Protestant and even Mormon and Catholic things of this mm-hmm. long-haired Jesus that right. looks somewhat like a handsome fella. But yep. that verse says he wasn't. Is that, is that how you read that? Yeah, it, it, I call him, what you're talking about, I call him the blonde-haired, blue-eyed, Caucasian surfer Jesus. And uh, that's the image that is presented, but that's not what he he was and what he would look like. We tend to make God after our own image, and the people reverse it. But uh, he was stricken. He was uh, smitten of God and afflicted. He was beaten. One of the theories, incidentally, is after the resurrection, we know that he retained his crucifixion wounds because he said to to Thomas in John 20, 25 through 28, he said, put your hand into my side and your finger into my wrist or my hand. And so... Uh, you know that his physical wounds were retained well he was beaten about the face too before the crucifixion so uh, one of the theories I read that I really think was interesting is that in Luke 24 after the resurrection they didn't recognize him the disciples did not recognize him and it wasn't until after he broke bread and the, the pulling of bread apart exposing the wrists uh, was where he was crucified some people think that that's when their eyes were open but at any rate uh yeah he was uh he, he was he was beaten and it was pretty tough on but but yeah go ahead do you do you do you think that he he didn't on purposely have like movie star good looks so he could blend into the crowd and not stand out he wanted he wanted what he was doing in his message to stand out more so than his looks is how i've always thought of it yeah, I would agree. I w- I've thought about that, and I've kind of concluded that he probably was not uh, purposely handsome. Not that he was or wasn't, I don't know, but probably was not so that people would not be jealous of him and that hopefully women would not be uh, attracted to him in a way that uh, would be inappropriate. So I've always wondered if that might be the case also. You know, just, just thinking out loud. Yeah, I don't know. For gotcha. sure. well, I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Okay. Sure. No problem. Man. God Have bless. Good day. All right. You too. Hey, folks. Five open lines. If you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six. I want to hear from you. Give me a call, and we can blab. Or if you want, what you can do is uh, email me at info at carm dot org. And uh, I can read your emails over the air if that sounds interesting at all. Let me go check the emails here and see if we've got any. Because this is kind of how things go. gets a little slow uh, towards the end of the year. Nothing's coming in. I'm going to go back to hate mail. Oh, no, someone came in. All right, Marsha. Let's see. A few days ago, 
uh, I've seen a guy saying on Instagram saying that in 1946 the word pedophile was changed to homosexual in the Bible, uh, which makes no sense to me because I never knew either word was in the Bible. Um, no, not, not pedophile, uh, but homosexual was uh, it's a word coined, um, I think it was in the 40s, uh, uh, 30s or 40s. And so the word was not in common use. Uh, the Greek word for homosexual is uh, arsenikoitos, and it means man better. Someone who goes about under man instead of a woman, and that's homosexuality. And so when the word became known, or became used, they go, oh, there's the word for what we're going to translate it is, because that's what it means. And that's all that was going on. So you can say, yeah, that's right, no big deal. It, it's just uh, as words develop and as vocabularies develop and new concepts are there, that's that, that is there. Now, pedophilia, uh, that uh, I don't know when the, I haven't researched that particular world word. Excuse me, to uh, to be able to tell you when it was uh, developed in the English language, but it's not in the Bible, and I don't know of any instance of pedophilia described in the Bible either. It was common in the uh, the culture of the Greeks, and apparently with the Arabs, where uh, that Islam came out of because um, Muhammad married a uh, six-year-old and, and consummated their marriage at nine, when she was nine. So uh, there's talk about that and discussions about that kind of a thing. So anyway, there you go. If you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. All right. We don't have anybody waiting. And uh, that was that for that. So we're waiting if you want to email me, and you can I can get your question on the air. It's up, I mean, uh, info at karm.org. Uh, you can give me a call, or you can email me. Hey, we'll be right back after these messages. Please stay tuned. Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. Hey, I just want to remind you that we're doing an end-of-year matching fund drive. So if you want to support this ministry, all you got to do is dial... I keep saying the same thing I've been doing for so many years. All you got to do is go to karm.org forward slash donate. And all the information you need right there is uh, at your fingertips. We ask $5 a month. It's not very much. And if we can get enough people doing that, then um, we can meet our bills. And let me just tell you that, uh, I'm not going to say too much, but uh, the economy has really hit us. And um, one of our guys is having to uh, look, let's just say, and uh, the the finances are an issue. So we are hoping that we can uh, raise what we need and do what we need in order to further the kingdom and hopefully also stay on the air because uh, that's just what it is, you know. And we're just trusting God through all of it. So if you want to support us, remember, karm.org forward slash donate and anything that you donate this month will be matched. We have a matching uh, funds drive going on. So there you go. Hope that is uh, helpful. And may the Lord bless you. And uh, let's get to the callers. Let's see. Let's get to Doug from Raleigh, North Carolina. Doug, welcome. You're on the air. Yeah, Matt. Um, mm-hmm. I had a quick question. Mm-hmm. My kids are just getting deeper and deeper into Scripture. Deep yes. in hermeneutics. 
and I need some really good resources for the exegetical part, um, mostly cultural surrounding the biblical times. Okay, um, in that case, let me get, I've got some, uh, uh, there's some culture books, let's see, Christianity, if I haven't, my, if I've sorted these through these yet, let me see. Uh, customs is one of the things. So uh, the, uh, the the manners and customs of the Bible by Freeman is good. By Freeman, okay. So that's good. I would check that out. And uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Handbook of uh, Bible manners and customs. Oh, that's pretty much an older one I have. And then another one is manners and customs of Bible lands by Fred. White W I G H T W I G H T manners and customs. These things are worth uh, going through. You can pick one of them, um, you know, and, and just go through, and, and you can even read them with your kids or study with them, and and stuff. Because the culture is really important. For example, when uh, Jesus, uh, you know, gets us the blind man and starts to see, and he says, "I see uh, dead men." He says, "I men, I see men walking as trees." What does that mean? It, well, in the culture at the time, the people would, uh, certain workers, would walk up into the hills and then they would take twigs off of branches of trees and they would bundle them together with uh, cordage and then they would crawl underneath them and then lift them up and carry them on their back. They'd be like 10 feet in diameter. These things were huge. They, they'd balance them and they would just walk down the hill, uh, men walking like trees. So he would see this kind of stuff and those kind of things are in there. Very, very useful. Very, very helpful. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. There you go. God bless. All right. Okay, let's get on the air with Bobby Kansas, from yeah. Kansas. Bobby, welcome. You are on the air. Bobby. <laughs> hey, hello, it man. Says, oh, it's tonight? Robbie or Bobby? Robbie. Okay, now I see it's it. Sorry Robbie, about that. All right. What do you got, man? Hey, I just wanted to give you a call and... Uh, appreciate your program. I've been trying to listen um, uh, whenever I get a chance. And um, I just had a question. I know you're probably familiar with the group called The Way. I saw a lot of them back in yeah. the 80s. They used to have those green bumper stickers with the Bible on them, The Way International, I think mm -hmm. they uh, called yeah. themselves. And I haven't mm -hmm. seen anything or heard anything about them uh, for quite a while now. I was just wondering if you knew, did they gravitate maybe to another type of a group or they did they fall off the radar or what's going on with well, them? Well, it was, you know, founded by Victor Paul Weirwell and he died. And so okay. um, it just gradually kind of fell out. So uh, there are still members of them. I actually, uh, I've encountered them, uh, but not for over 20 years. So like you, they seem to be far less prevalent uh, and it looks like they're going by the wayside no, no pun intended. So, what, so that's good. Side, yeah. Okay. Well, I guess that is good because I, I know that they did not believe that Jesus is God. Right. That's right. It's a non-Christian. Okay. And I, you probably have a lot of information on your Carm site about their doctrine. Actually, not a whole bunch. Uh, they are just think of just think of Jehovah's Witnesses. They deny the Trinity. They de deny the deity of Christ. Deny the Holy Spirit's deity. Um, Salvations by by uh, works along with faith, things like that. The same old thing. And they have different kinds of arguments. Now, they're still around, but uh, I've not encountered them hardly at all. 
So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. You know? Yeah. Let's see. Yeah, okay. What about uh, Harold Camping? Uh, a mm-hmm. few years ago, he had a big date set for the, the return of Jesus Christ. And mm-hmm. uh, that pretty much fell. They, they had all kinds of trucks and billboards. They must have spent a lot of money advertising this certain date. And then that date came and went, and he basically fell off the radar, too. Yeah, that's why you should not set dates. Unless you're, <laughs> you know, fact, you're trying to get a, a, a into, wife. Um, there was a lady sitting in a truck of one of the, one of those advertisement trucks, and I pulled up next to her, and I started talking to her. And I said, I'll tell you what, why don't you give me your phone number so I'm going to call you the day after that date. And mm-hmm. see how you're doing, and she wouldn't give me that phone number. Yeah, of course not. Uh, yeah, Chuck Smith actually gave an opinion about when it would occur as well. Um, I tell people no. If you're pre-trib rapture, then you can set dates. If you're post-trib rapture, you're far less likely to do that. I'm post-trib, and there's certain things that have to happen beforehand. Uh, and so, uh, mm-hmm. I don't believe the rapture. Okay, you're, uh, you're post-trib rapture. Yes. Uh-huh. Yep. Okay, okay. Uh, well, okay, yeah. well, I just uh, wanted to give you a call. We were sitting here uh, just kind of killing some time. I thought, I'm going to give Matt sure. a call and ask well, him sure. about that. So, anyhow, oh, yeah. I appreciate your program, and you have a Merry Christmas, okay? You too. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Amen. All Good for you. All right, sure. Robbie. God bless. All right. God bless you. To Jamie from Utah. Jamie, welcome. You are on air. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, I have a question, and it's just mm-hmm. an easy question or simple question, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, Elijah in the Old Testament, the prophet, it says Elijah the Tishbite. Now, is he not an Israelite, or what is a Tishbite? I guess is my question. Ah, a uh, Tishbite. I'm going to read this. Native of Elijah the prophet. Native city of Elijah the prophet and his inhabitants. It's just a location. So the Hebrew form of Tishbe in First Kings seventeen one prompted uh, the King James to translate it as the inhabitants of Gilead. So it's just a uh, it's a city that uh, he was uh, involved in, just like Nazareth. Jesus from Nazareth, you know, and so Elijah was from Ti- was uh, from Tishbe. So he was a Tishbite. Oh, I got it. Okay, then it's not his. It's not his. So he, so he he was an Israelite then. Oh yeah. Yep. Or yeah, Tishbe. Okay. That's my question. Okay. Thank you. All right. Well, God bless. Okay. God hey, bless. there we go. Okay. We have four open lines, 877-207-2276. You can also email me at info at carm.org. We had a couple of questions that came in there. So we'll get to them after the break. We'll be right back. Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Hey, just want to remind you, we're keeping ourselves on the air and uh, the lights on with your support. All you got to do is go to carm.org forward slash donate. We're doing an end-of-year matching funds drive, so whatever you support us with will be automatically doubled. It's easy to do, carm.org forward slash donate. Let's get to Danny from Charlotte, North Carolina. Danny, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, how are you, sir? Doing all right. Hanging in there, man. What do you got, buddy? Oh, I've been reading a lot on 
Mormon doctrine and theology, just trying to, you mm-hmm. know, understand how to engage them better. Mm-hmm. Can you help me understand about pre-mortality, how they say that we were spirit beings before we came here to earth? Yeah, they say that. So in Mormonism, there's what's called intelligences. The intelligences are basically eternal. And I've heard different things from Mormons, but basically they're eternal. And somehow, somewhere, uh, God, a first God or whatever, even the Mormons don't know, uh, became God. And then this process of intelligences uh, is moved into the work of uh, physical relations that God and his goddess wife who have bodies of flesh and bones and were people on another planet uh, that came to this world and they're in the, the heavens uh, above earth, around earth, whatever. But he lives near a star called Kolob. And um, anyway, uh, so the pre-existing spirits are the offspring between God and his goddess wife who have relations in heaven oh. and make spirit babies. And so in the pre-mortal existence of Mormonism, there was a, a a disagreement, let's just say, among the spirits, the pre-born ex- spirits. Now, Jesus was first born, and we were all born brothers and sisters in the pre-existence to to uh, to Jesus and uh, Lucifer. And so, uh, nevertheless, there needed to be a plan of salvation. Jesus offered a plan. Lucifer offered a plan. And uh, God the Father went with Jesus' plan. And so, uh, a third of the spirits sided with uh, the the devil's plan in rebellion and so they can never be born in human bodies therefore they cannot continue in the process of exaltation to become gods of your own planets and uh, a a third that decided to go with Jesus plan the glory of the father then they are born in white skinned bodies this is what Mormonism taught it's not official anymore but it's what their prophets taught Okay, and the third of spirits that were remaining according to the prophets in the 1800s who uh, did not go with either Jesus' plan or the Father's plan they were cursed to be born in, in human bodies that are black-skinned to the Negroes that oh. they are the ones who uh, were, were not were, they were less valiant in the pre-existence and so uh, they have a nice little saying you know the, the, the fulcrum is that little dent uh, underneath the nose and above the, the front, your top lip. That little dent that goes down, that's called a fulcrum, F-U-L-T-R-U-M. And so they have a nice little saying, uh, the children, that uh, when you became, uh, when you moved from the spirit realm into the physical body, uh, God put his finger over your mouth your, and then had sh- and forget what was the pre-existence, and that's where the fulcrum comes from. It, it, it's just a, a nice thing to say. It's just for the children. It's a, you know, like Santa Claus kind of thing. So that's what they. It is part of their culture that they teach that. Of course, it's unbiblical, and uh, Mormonism is not Christian at all. In the wildest stretch of the imagination, it's not Christian. So uh, I don't know if that helps. Yeah, I was just reading, and of course, I believe the Bible, and it just sounded. I mean, literally, like, out of this world. Like, just weird, you know, made-up fantasy. It is out of this world. It's a spirit world. Well, Mormonism was started yeah, by Joseph yeah. Smith. Yeah. yeah. Joseph Smith started Mormonism, and there's an absolute way to prove that he lied about it all. Now, when I say this, it's not me just uh, being mean. There is an actual way. There's two ways to prove he lied. Two ways. One in the Bible and one through their own writings. And in the Bible, uh, it says that uh, 
speak of the Father, he dwells in unapproachable light whom no man has seen or can see, First Timothy 6.16. That's what the original says. That's what the Greek manuscripts all say. It's the same thing. There's no variance. There's no, no corruption. That's what it says. Joseph Smith said he saw God the Father. Well, he contradicted the Bible. Wow. Well, what their solution is in Article 8 is to say the Bible is correct insofar as it's correctly translated. Translation means from one language, written language, to another written language. Well, it's translated correctly. So what they do is they cast doubt on God's word to believe that Joseph Smith somehow had a vision. And what they do is they pray about the Book of Mormon, which is idolatry. You don't pray about something to see if it's true because they're praying against what God says to do. He says, check the word. doesn't say pray about truth. But they'll say, no, James 1.5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. He's already talking to believers. Yeah. He's not talking to people about a, bu a book. Now, so that's one way to prove that Joseph Smith lied, and he did. He said he saw God the Father, and Jesus says, No man has seen the Father except the Son, or the one who's from God. He has seen the Father, talking about himself. And as I said in First Timothy six sixteen, speaking of the Father, dwells an unapproachable light whom no man has seen nor can see. That's proof, biblically, that he was a false prophet. He lied. Flat-out proof. All of Mormonism is false because it's based on the first vision of him seeing the Father. That proves Mormonism is false, period. Mormons that reject that proof because they go with their feelings, not God's word. And that's why they're so greatly deceived, because the demonic forces around them are allowed by God to work upon them through their church, through their people, to deceive them even further. Because they do not respect God's word. They do not hold his wow. word and his truth where it needs to be. So that's uh, demonically inspired. Their, their stuff is. Now, there's another way to prove that Joseph Smith flat out lied. He said that he translated the Book of Mormon by the the power of the priesthood, and he had a stone from the German Thummim, and that the stone he would put in a hat, and then he supposedly had these plates, these golden plates. That's a whole other problem, but at any rate, he had this stone, and he would um, look at the stone, put the stone in the hat, put the hat around his face, it was a curtain between him and Oliver Cowdery, and he, Joseph Smith would then say one letter at a time of the translation of the Book of Mormon, which is what they get in English, the Book of Mormon, which, incidentally, is uh, the same manuscript that Solomon Spaulding had because the witnesses who knew Solomon Spaulding, a Presbyterian minister in the 1820s and 30s, uh, they said, hey, what Joseph Smith's book is, is the same thing that he wrote. And Solomon Spaulding's yeah. manuscript was in a printing press in geographically very close to where Joseph Smith was. There's all kinds of stuff in history that Mormons ignore, but nevertheless. So he said he translated the power of the Book of Mormon with the power of God through the seer stone, where he put the stone in the hat, his face over the stone, I mean over the hat, blocking out the light, and then God would illumine one letter at a time, and then he would repeat it, and Oliver Cowdery would write it down, and that's how the Book of Mormon was given. Wow. So the, there was a, in the 1830s, there was a traveling, um, a museum going uh, from Egypt stuff and mummies were, were you know this guy was showing mummies and Egyptian papyri they were real Egyptian papyri Joseph Smith said the Egyptian papyri were the book of Abraham and so he bought it for like three thousand dollars or two or three thousand dollars I forgot which and said this is the this is the book of Abraham this is from uh, you know ancient Egypt but it's about Abraham and stuff like that and it's, in, it's reformed hieroglyphics, which there is no such thing as reformed hieroglyphics, which the Mormons have now said. But at any rate, he said he translated the Book of Abraham with the same authority and the same power he did the Book of Mormon. 
the same. Now, the thing is that papyri was lost until roughly 1966-1967. It was found in, a, in an, a, a library, in the basement of a library, and it has Joseph Smith's handwriting on the back. There's absolutely no doubt it is the same manuscript that Joseph Smith held in his hands and supposedly translated the Book of Abraham from. Even the Mormon Church admitted that that's it, it's, it's the same one. The Egyptologists have then been able to translate that document of hieroglyphics. They know what language it is. It's Egyptian. They can translate it. They can do it. And it has absolutely nothing to do with what Joseph Smith said it was. Absolutely nothing. It was, well, he wasn't even close. And so now what the Mormons say is, well, it was just used as inspiration for the Book of Mormon. So what they do is ignore scripture, they ignore facts, and they believe in themselves, their own feelings. And so this is why Mormons are lost and deceived and when they die, because they've believed in a false God and a false Christ and a false gospel, that this is why they will be damned eternally if they don't repent and come to the true right. living God. Okay? All right, there you go. All right. Appreciate it, man. All right, man. There you go. All right, God bless. That was Danny from Charlotte. By the way, if you're Mormons out there and you want to know what Mormonism really teaches, let me tell you, in Salt Lake City, in that area, in Sandy, Utah, is a good friend of mine, Bill McKeever. And he has a, a radio show, uh, I think it's daily, 15 minutes in the morning. Bill McKeever is, and Eric Johnson, he, they both do this. They're friends of mine. These guys are fantastic. They know the stuff very well. And it's mrm.org, Mormonism Research Ministry, mrm.org. He's right there in Sandy, and he knows the stuff. You can go to my website, karm.org, forward slash Mormonism, and learn there, too. Hey, we'll be right back after these messages. Please stay tuned. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, welcome back to the last segment of the show on this really neat Friday, which is uh, December 16th, 2022. All right. Hey, just a reminder, you were doing a matching funds uh, drive for the end of the year. Whatever you support us with and donate, anything new will be doubled automatically. I hope you donate a million dollars. And I'll tell my buddy who's doing the thing, hey, guess what? So there you go. All you got to do is go to karm.org forward slash donate. C-A-R-M dot O-R-G forward slash donate. We ask $5 a month. That would be a big help. All right. Let's get to Luke from Richmond, Virginia. Luke, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, Matt. I enjoy your show. I've been listening over the years. Good. Um, yeah. Just a quick question about my pastor. Um, over, I've been in this church for about nine years. I love him. I, I love the church. But a troubling event has occurred and within the last two years. Um, he has uh, appointed and anointed uh, ladies, including his wife, as pastors. Yeah. Now, I don't have a problem with, you know, ladies being ministering and ministering beside the pastor or, or other people in leadership in the church, but I've got a problem with a, a pastor, a female pastor. You know, yeah. the, the scriptures, obviously, you're familiar with First Timothy. Mm-hmm. 2, 11 through 15, and 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 12, Titus 1, 6 through 9. You know, uh, you're familiar. So uh, my question is this. I think it's uh, 
out of God's order to do this? What, what do you think? I think that the pastor needs to step down because he's not a proper teacher of the Word of God by it, by uh, having women be pastors. He doesn't understand the Word of God, doesn't understand it, and he's disqualified because the Bible says the elder, and the pastor is an elder, 1 Timothy 5.17, the elders to teach proper doctrine. He's not doing that. Jesus, uh, excuse me, um, Paul the Apostle clearly said, a woman is not to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain silent, for Adam was first created, 1 Corinthians uh, two, uh, 12 and 13. And the next chapter over in 1 Peter 3.15, excuse me, 1 Timothy 3.15, he says he's giving instruction on how people are to behave in the household of God. That's what he says. And so he's giving instruction on what is to be done in the church. Now, if you go to Titus chapter 1, it says, For this reason I left you in Crete, this is verse 5, Titus 1, 5, that you should set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. Elders is uh, masculine form there. Now, in Greek, uh, you can have nouns that are masculine, feminine, and uh, neuter. These are masculine form uh, nouns. Appoint elders, that's like saying uh, actors, not actresses. We don't have that many gender-specific words, but, you know, woman, man, female, male. You know, we do have those kind of things, of course. So elders is like saying men elders because it's in the, it's in the Greek that way. And it says, if any man is above reproach. Now, the word here is, uh, in Greek is uh, uh, tis, tau iota sigma. And it is in the masculine there again. If he's above reproach, the husband of one wife and uh, the word husband there by necessity is male so the elder is to be uh, the husband of one wife and what it literally says in the Greek is on uh, a man of one woman a husband of one wife how's a woman going to be that this doesn't work and we can go on and on and we can go to also first Timothy chapter 3 and how it begins there he says an overseer must be above reproach the husband of one wife the overseer that Greek that word in Greek is um, Episcopos. The word for elder is uh, presbyteros. So they're interchangeably used, the elder and the presbyter. So the, even the elder of the presbyter here is to be uh, an Hermes Gunaikos, a man of one woman. And deacons, likewise, must be men of dignity, not double-minded. And so the admonition of Scripture is that the people who are to be in spiritual authority in the church, a pastor is by definition an elder who's in authority, is to be male, not female. Therefore, the pastor is, in my opinion, disqualified because he can't even get that right. And it's clearly taught in Scripture. So what I would do is, uh, when, when he's outside... You know, sneak up behind him, stay 50 feet away, see if he's licking his finger and putting it in the air and see which way the, the, the culture's wind is blowing and see if he's following that direction. Okay. Uh, yeah, so quick, quick question, quick follow-up. Uh, one of the things that I heard him say, and one time he actually preached this recently, is in Acts 16, verses 1 and 27, about Phoebe, saying that yes. she was a deacon. A servant, really, as the real translation, but mm -hmm. a deacon in some translations, mm -hmm. you know, that she brought the word, which uh, historically she brought the Book of Romans to Rome from mm -hmm. Jerusalem, if I mm -hmm. understand that right. So they're saying, oh, well, there, there's a deaconess right there, you know. 
So then what he's doing, now think about this. If he understands, as 1 Timothy 3 says, that a deacon's to be a near means good icon, a man of one woman, then what he go, does, he's going, now he's going to Romans 16.1, I commend you to our sister Phoebe, etc., that she's a servant, a deacon. And so uh, he says, see, that now we'll go with Romans 16.1, we'll ignore 1 Timothy 3. So what he's doing is setting Scripture against Scripture. This is a mistake a huge mistake he's making. Furthermore, the word servant is diakonos, and it's used in many different contexts and many different ways. So I'm going to do it right now. Uh, diakonos is 1249. 1249. I'm doing a search by that number. So every place it occurs in the New Testament, 29 places. And it says, But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, your Diakonos. Okay, then the king said to his servants, bind him hand and foot, throw him in the utter darkness. Okay, is that a deacon of a church? Obviously not. Let's go to Romans uh, 13, 4. For as a minister of God to you, that's the government, is a deacon, a minister of God to you for good. So I can go on and on, but the point is that what he's failed to do is to properly understand what the meaning of the word is and then he has set scripture against scripture and he has elevated women to a position or not to be in the church he's disqualified he needs to step down the elders should tell him i'd give him one chance i'd say we're going to correct you on this and if you don't recant you're removed from your office this is serious thank you thank you i I appreciate this uh yeah i've talked to several people including Alex McFarland and some of the other mm-hmm. guys, you know, because uh, it really hurts me because I love this guy. He's a, he's a wonderful preacher, wonderful family, wonderful wife, but I think they're in error. They are in error. I've written a great deal on this, and I've taught on this numerous times, and I've defended it all kinds of ways. And I'd be willing uh, to to do a phone conversation with anybody involved if you want to go over the arguments, do you want to go over stuff. I've written a lot of stuff on this on the CARM website. And I've addressed the issue of Phoebe and uh, Deborah in the Old Testament, uh, the uses of words, the whole thing. So here's the thing. People don't understand this. The Trinity is the foundation for all actuality and potentiality. God has made what exists. What exists is the spiritual realm, the physical realm, but also in our minds and in our hearts, the the realm of morality, the realm of cognition and thought. All this is made possible by God, and the Trinity is a necessary precondition for all of it. And in Romans one twenty, it says the invisible attributes, the very the, the nature of God is made known in creation. This is Romans one twenty. His divine nature has been clearly seen. This means in the created order, the Trinitarian nature is there. Now, the reason I'm focusing on this a little bit is because we have to understand what the Trinity is. And in the Trinity, there is fellowship. There is the communion of the Trinitarian communion. Now, also, there's a hierarchical structure. The Father sent the Son. The Son sent the Holy Spirit. It's called the economic Trinity. So we know from the Trinity that there's an order and Jesus says he came to do uh, his, not his will, but the will of the one who sent him. So this is what Jesus said in John six thirty-seven through 40. So when God created Adam and Eve, he created Adam and named Adam, your man, named him. 
Then he created Adam and Adam, I mean, then he created Eve, took him out of the side of Adam, and then God, uh, then Adam named Eve, signifying his authority as the one who's the first person, the first one in the world. There is in the Jewish culture something called primogeniture. Primogeniture is that the firstborn male has rights in the family that the next male doesn't have because he's the firstborn. Jesus is the firstborn of creation, etc. But nevertheless, when Adam and Eve sinned, the devil came to her and then she fell and she gave the fruit to Adam. But Romans 5.12 says that sin entered the world through Adam, not her. Through Adam, not her. In fact, when they hid themselves, the pre-incarnate Christ came to the man and said, where are you? He didn't say, Adam and Eve, where are you? He didn't say, Eve, what have you done? He said to the man, where are you? So he went to the man who's responsible, the man, Adam, through whom sin entered the world. Now, when we go to 1 Timothy 2.12, I'm going to read it to you. Paul says, I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over men. Now, this is in the context of the church, because we know from the next chapters what he's talking about. But to remain quiet. The word quiet there is hesukia. It means keep it down. It doesn't mean absolute silence like sagao means. Sagao means not even a word. But hesukia means, hey, be, can you be a little bit more quiet, a little bit more hesukia? That's what that means. I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over man, but to remain quiet, for it was Adam who was first created and then Eve. So God himself is tying this authority issue to Adam. Right there. And in Adam, who is our federal head, in him all die. First Corinthians 15.22 Through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men. Romans 5.18 Romans 5.19 says through one transgression, through his sin, the many were made sinners. Adam is the federal head. He's a representation. So it's the authority that was in Adam. And this is why Paul says, there, woman's not, that's not her place. It's not her place in that church to be in that authority place because Adam was first created. That's what he's saying. It's not a cultural thing. It's a theological thing that Paul the Apostle draws out of the very created order of God himself. This pastor needs a, to be um, corrected. And if he doesn't uh, receive the correction, he needs, the elders need to remove him from the pulpit. Thank okay. you so much, Matt. Yeah, I, I'm in total agreement with that. I've, I have looked at the scriptures that you've mentioned, and I have mentioned them to him and uh, one of the senior elders over there in the church. And mm-hmm. Yes, I'm praying about it. You know, it's difficult because I've been there for nine years, but uh, the sudden change, you know, who, who knows what else that they may compromise on. So, exactly. Thank you so much for the explanation. Exactly. Now, look, let me tell you before you go, if you email me and you say, hey, I'm the guy who talked about the women pastor stuff, I'd be willing to give you my cell number, and you can call me at that. If you're with those people, they have a meeting, they want to talk, I'd be glad to talk to them about it in a lot more gentle form. I mean, I'm here on the radio. i got to rush through it because we're almost out of time. This is a very serious a- issue, and 80% of the churches and groups and denominations that adopt uh, women pastors and elders, 80% within two generations start approving of homosexuality. Right. Yep. I've read yep. that, yes. It's going bad. Okay. Okay, what's your, what's your email? Info at karm.org. Info at karm.org, okay? All right? Info at karm.org. Thank you so much. All right, you're welcome so much. God bless. Hey, folks, what I just said was true. What I just said is strong. What I just said is necessary. And if you go to a church with a woman pastor or elder, they need to be corrected. 
look at the CARM website, decide what you need to, st uh, to do to study, and get it set up right. And um, if you like what I'm saying, please consider supporting us. All you got to do is go to CARM.org forward slash donate, matching funds drive. Uh, whatever you donate will be matched for the end of this uh, end of the year here, this entire month of December. I hope you all have a great evening, a great Friday, and by God's grace, we're back on the air on Monday, and we'll talk to you then. Have a great one, everybody. God bless. Another program powered by the Truth Network. <laughs>